0: I hope you all had a great end of summer Labor Day weekend. Uh, I know we did. If you're wondering where I have been, first of all, it is my custom to take vacation at the end of August through Labor Day. And when I got back, my voice, as you probably can tell, still not 100%, but I seem to have lost most of it. So rather than try and prolong the problems with the laryngitis. I tried to rest it as much as I could, but eventually you've got to start talking again. So I'm not hundred percent, but I'm here anyway. Hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of several easy ways. Go to your iTunes app store, Google play store, download the free pod bean app, search out the Jamie Dury show and click subscribe, or... You can use your native podcast aggregator app, either your Apple app or your Google podcast app, and simply search out the Jamie Dury show and subscribe that way, whichever way you choose to subscribe, you'll be able to leave reviews, comments. We need more of both. Please give us a five-star review review. We do our best to do a good job for you and provide you with information that you don't get most other places. And please Share the show and recommend us to your friends. The more the show will grow, the greater our resources will be, and the more we'll be able to bring you in the way of information and even some live uh, interactive lines and other uh, perks we'd like to add to the show as it grows and we get stronger. So, a lot to cover. Um, Much has happened, much has transpired since the last time I did a show with you. But, of course, the first order of business. Today is the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, and I think we all need to take a moment of silence to remember all the souls that were lost needlessly that day. So let us take a moment of silence. Okay, thank you. Uh, I lost friends that day. I had two good friends of mine who answered the call and went to the towers, and they were never found. I think many years later, they found some DNA evidence of one of them. The other, I think, was just completely consumed by fire and incinerated. So is a personal note for me for that day. Now I was a lifelong New Yorker, but at that time, um, I was not in New York, so I was not here. I was not living in New York at the time that that event which would shaped the world, reshaped the world, took place. Some days I think I should have been here. Other days I think maybe the man upstairs didn't want me to be there because he wanted me here, now. Because so many of the people that I knew have suffered in the aftermath of 9-11 because of the exposure to dangerous, toxic substances down there, which gave them cancers. So all things happen for a reason. We can't question God's judgment. We just have to accept it. So, speaking about 9-11. One of the things I want to lead off with, because I heard it spoken about on a lot of the morning radio shows here in New York by some of the hosts coming up with different reasons. They were all getting down on Joe Biden for not being here in New York for the celebration of 9-11. He was in Alaska instead. Uh, And uh, they were saying it's an insult. He should have been here. How can you send Kamala Harris how can you send uh, Kamala Harris's husband to Pennsylvania, the Pentagon, Joe Biden to the Pentagon, uh, Kamala Harris's husband to the Pennsylvania or the field where the plane went down? Uh, look, I don't like Joe Biden. But I will tell you right now that most of them, except with the exception of Miranda Devine, who was a guest on the Joe Piscopo show that probably really came closest to hitting it without actually coming out and saying it, uh, missed it. Most of them missed it. There's a very simple reason why Joe Biden was in Alaska instead of being in New York. And it's not because of the scheduling of the G20 summit. Uh, they could make it up, uh, very easily. He has access to the final finest travel in the world. He travels on air force one air traffic anywhere in the world can be suspended he travels in unbelievable comfort. You know, people talk about how travel takes its toll on an 80 year old. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with age. There have been world leaders that have led governments at ages more advanced than Joe Biden. It's a question about the individual. Joe Biden has been failing for some time, uh, long before he ever reached 80. And he can sleep. Air Force One has a bed, it has an office, it has a shower, he has anything he could possibly want to rest. The main reason why Joe Biden was not at Ground Zero is because Ground Zero, of all the 9-11 celebrations that take place, Ground Zero at the World Trade Center is the most important, the most dramatic, the one where the largest number of dead occurred. The bulk of the losses from 9-11's attack were at the towers. And every year those names are read out. As a consequence, the ceremony at Ground Zero is the longest of all the ceremonies. Joe Biden simply does not have the physicality to be able to withstand sitting there. He absentmindedly walked out of a Medal of Honor conference ceremony. He gave a Medal of Honor to a Vietnam veteran, put it on him, gave a feeble salute, and before the chaplain had even read the closing statement, was already out the door because he could not do it he cannot do it he makes fleeting appearances and he's gone he has a limited number of questions that he takes and he's gone he can't do it he is failing i don't like joe biden i think he's a swine but i don't think his failure to show up to new york for the 911 remembrance on this 22nd anniversary was a consequence of his distaste for New York or a lack of respect i think it's just a lack of health and a lack of mental acuity he is a failing compromised feeble old man and he has no position in any no place in any position of a power of or authority least of all the presidency of the united states of america so that's my take on joe biden's absence uh at 911 and i don't think you can really explain it reasonably Any other way. Now, the other, the big story I wanted to get to today um, is Michelle Obama. We're going to get to that in a minute. Before we do, there's a couple of little things I wanted to hit. First of all, just a little tidbit of information. A Secret Service agent who was present in Dallas, Texas in 1963 when President Kennedy was fatally struck, uh, has come out and challenged the magic bullet theory, saying that the bullet that they actually found in pristine condition was one that he recovered from the vehicle and he saw it. And he doesn't believe that was the bullet that killed President Kennedy and went into um, John Connolly. That was a different bullet and so forth and so on. Basically saying this because to challenge the single shooter theory, but That theory has been challenged many times by many people because of the fact that we already know from forensic analysis by the renowned pathologist Cyril Wecht that no bullet could go through the president, change direction twice, then exit the body, hit the wrist of the governor of Texas, break it, and retain 96% of its weight and look in almost pristine condition. That's the magic bullet. So we already know there was multiple shooters there. But it's interesting now that people are still coming forward some 60 years, almost 60 years, this November will be 60 years since uh, the assassination of the president, which I still remember as a very, very small boy. So that was interesting. Uh, But what really is interesting is this Governor Grisham in New Mexico, on September 8th, she signed an executive order banning gun possession for 30 days in the city of Albuquerque and in Berna Lillo County. She's citing as authority for this a health emergency, a health emergency. And a lot of liberals have taken issue with this because uh, a Democrat, the congressman from California by the name of Ted Lieu, weighed in on this and said, look, whether or not we agree with it, the Supreme Court's decisions regarding the Constitution are the law of the land. And he was referring to um, the decision of uh, the Supreme Court in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, in which the court held that Americans have an absolute constitutional right to carry a gun in public. And she has sought To suppress that on the basis that it's a health emergency. Okay? She signed two executive orders. First order was 2023 130, and the other one was 2023 132. That one names drug abuse as a public health emergency. The first order declares gun violence a public health emergency. And so, as a consequence of declaring it a health emergency, she's not going to allow anybody to carry guns. Now, Let me ask you something. Isn't this just some sort of perverted uh, version of gun control with the same tired argument that we're just going to keep people from having guns and therefore there's going to be no gun violence? Well, it doesn't work that way. Because the only people who follow the law are people who are not going to engage in illegal use of handguns in the first place. So the only people who are not going to carry guns as a consequence of this executive order, are those people who wouldn't have done wrong with them anyway. The people who are selling drugs, doing robberies, uh, assaults, murders, they're going to carry the guns anyway because they don't care about the law. I've tried to explain this before in the past. Laws in this country have two functions. The first function is to set the ground rules, the standard for behavior. What what sort of conduct uh, society will tolerate and what conduct it will not tolerate. So people know what the rules are, like the rules of the road. The second function of laws is to fashion punishments for people who don't adhere to them. For the criminal element, the only use or function of the law is to fashion punishment for their violation. It doesn't do anything to stop the people. Now, people try and think if they get enough in the way of criminal sanctions, people are eventually going to stop. But look, people don't stop killing even when there's a death penalty. If that doesn't deter people, I don't know what's going to deter them. They're not saying we shouldn't have one because certainly those who are put to death for murder aren't going to go out and kill again. So there's a certain benefit to the recidivism rate when you have capital punishment. But The notion that this executive order is going to stop gun violence is ridiculous. This is just an end run around the Supreme Court's decision. It's an end run against the will of the people, and it's an absolute unabashed assault on the United States Constitution. In a press release on her website, Governor Grisham wrote that she issued the directives after the shooting deaths of three children, including an 11-year-old boy, on September 6th, and two mass shootings. She said her decision was made after a substantive and earnest conversation with law enforcement and public officials from Albuquerque and uh, Bernalillo County. The order dealing with guns exempts licensed security guards and police officers. Ooh. Civilians with carry permits... Must place guns in locked boxes and use trigger locks, or other means to prevent them from being fired, before carrying them in public. Now, do you think any civilian who complies with this restriction and puts his gun in a lock box and uses a trigger lock, so that they can't be fired in public, was someone that was ever in danger of going out and shooting someone wantonly in the first place? This past Friday, she held a press conference and said. This is a governor. that Think about this. This is from an elected governor in 2023 in the United States of America. No constitutional right in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. But yet, despite having conferred with all these law enforcement people, supposedly, the Bernalillo County Sheriff one John Allen, had deep reservations over Mrs. Grisham's uh, executive order. Quote, in this article I'm quoting from, First and foremost, every lost life is a tragedy, and the well-being of our community is of paramount concern to the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office. We share in the collective grief and urgency to address this issue. I am wary of placing my deputies in positions That could lead to civil liability conflicts as well as the potential risks posed by prohibiting law abiding citizens from their constitutional right to self defense. The Albuquerque Police Department, according to their chief, Harold Medina, has issued a statement saying that Albuquerque Police Department officers would not be enforcing civil violations. Of, Mrs, of Ms. Grisham's order. The governor made it clear that the state law enforcement and not APD will be responsible for enforcement of civil violations of the order. I would like to know more about the structure of law enforcement in the state of New Mexico because I can tell you here in New York, uh, if the New York City Police Commissioner would issue a similar statement saying he wasn't going to do something that was directed by the governor, Uh, he would be crushed. The mayor would get leaned on, the mayor would in turn lean on him, and he'd either resign or he would enforce the order. So I don't know how the city of Albuquerque elects its police chief, whether it's an elected position or appointed position, but he seems to have a great deal of autonomy to be able to take this position without seemingly any fear of reprisals, or loss of employment. So this is interesting. We're going to be following this and see how this shakes out. It's clearly a violation of the Constitution, clearly an overreach on the part of this governor, and we hope that it will be addressed and that someone will sue because this cannot be allowed to stand. It will only embolden the left to take further steps and engage in further perversions of executive privilege and laws in order to subvert the Constitution and Uh, govern this country against the will of the people. Now, the big topic, the big one that I wanted to hit today was Michelle Obama. As you know, Donald Trump is walking away so far, even though no votes have been cast, with the Republican uh, nomination. If it's held tomorrow, he walks away. He boycotted the first debate, and even though he didn't attend, his support grew. Santos, who was the front runner of the ones that attended, actually lost support and other people gained support. Now forget the whale, Chris Christie and and uh Race Bannon, Mike Pence. Uh he's they're going nowhere. Uh and they're going there pretty fast, but they're going nowhere. But you're only going to get um some few people that are interesting. On the ticket, you're going to get Nikki Haley, uh, this Vivek Ramaswamy who seems to have captured people's imagination, and Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis has lost ground to Trump. His favorability rating has gone down. Trump's gone down by 3%, but that's only because of the indictments. Uh, Of the people that remain that support him, 75% approval rating, it's very, very strong. And yet these polls also want you to believe that the election were tomorrow, it's almost a dead heap between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. You just saw a man, as I explained, who couldn't go to ground zero because he's so frail that he couldn't sit for two hours while people read the names, he would collapse or fall asleep in embarrassment. We have a man that forgot that he was in the Medal of Honor ceremony and walked out of it after placing the medal around the recipient's neck and giving him a feeble salute before the chaplain's closing remarks were made, we have a man who is slipping away at a rapid pace. It's obvious to anyone with a brain and two eyes and two ears, I cannot possibly believe that the country is divided on their preference between him and Donald Trump. It just doesn't make any sense. But um, this is, nevertheless, the poll they want you to believe, and it's pretty, pretty close. So what are we supposed to make of all this? Well... There's other polls that state that Donald Trump has a six or eight point lead and it would crush Joe Biden. Who could they bring out that could defeat trump because trump as that as has now been acknowledged by not only Newt Gingrich or should be i should say explained by Newt Gingrich but acknowledged by no less than Donna Brazil, the uh former head of the Democratic party, big democratic strategist. She said unabashedly on TV last week that Donald Trump is the leader of a movement, whether you like it or not. And anyone who thinks they can use the conventional methods for taking this candidate out better rethink again. He is not going anywhere. This is a movement. And they're right. And she's right. It is a movement. It's a very powerful movement. People are fed up. They've had enough. And apparently even some of these liberals don't like a good thing. Too much of a good thing isn't necessarily a good thing. They thought this illegal immigration was a good thing. Now, all these liberal mayors in these sanctuary cities are screaming, Stop, stop, stop. We can't take any more of this goodness. Too many of these people. New York City's splitting at the seams where I live. San Francisco's in a similar situation. So, uh, what can we make of it? What's to be done? Well, they think that they bring out Michelle Obama. She's a star of the Democratic Party, because she's the wife of Barack. Now, Barack can't run again, but if she's in there, it's like having him in there again, the same way people thought that having uh, Hillary Clinton in there would be like having Bill in there again. Now, quite frankly, I don't know um, what great benefit there was of having Bill Clinton there, but Bill Clinton, even though he was a liberal, he was a Democrat, he was more of a pragmatist than Obama. Obama was an idealist that he's a fanatic. And he spoke in vacuous tones and platitudes that meant nothing. We're we're fundamentally hoping for change. We're going to fundamentally change America without telling you specifically what he meant. And everybody was left to assume that what he meant by fundamentally change America Comported what, what they thought should have been changed, and they were surprised that his idea of fundamental change was nothing more than trying to erode the Constitution and make this a, um, a socialist country. And he did a good job of bringing us a long way there. But even Hillary Clinton couldn't get over the hump against Donald Trump because as much as her husband may have been popular, she wasn't. And I point out that in two elections. Bill Clinton never got 50% of the vote. Never. So he wasn't all that popular. Now, Michelle Obama, supposedly very popular. First lady, first African American, first lady to the first African American president. Beautiful. I guess if you're someone with uh, macular degeneration or otherwise blind, uh, but to anyone who's seeing, Uh, I don't think there's anything beautiful about Michelle Obama. I don't think there's anything elegant about Michelle Obama. I think she's an ugly woman, and she is a uber, uber Marxist leftist. She had writings when she was in college that they've never allowed to be revealed. If she runs, they're going to have to expose them. But I think there's a simpler antidote to the Michelle Obama phenomenon, if there is a Michelle Obama phenomenon. Uh, That's one of the reasons why, despite my less than stellar voice today, I wanted to do the show. And this is it. Unless you've been under a rock, you know the investigations that are going on right now with respect to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. You know the mounting evidence that's taking place in Congress right now and the Republicans in the House moving ever closer to an impeachment inquiry, it's very clear now and it's indefensible that the Bidens have profited extensively uh, at the expense of the American people and American security uh, from people like the Chinese, uh, Ukraine and other foreign governments and people that have feathered their nests substantially Joe Biden and his family have been paid millions upon millions of dollars. Um, there's evidence that $5 million went to him personally as a consequence of the deal in Ukraine. He is now demonstrably proven to have lied in the debates, the two debates with Trump, which said he was not involved in his son's business dealings, never discussed his business dealings with him. These are obvious falsehoods. His brother has profited tremendously. His son has profited tremendously. He's getting kickbacks from all of it. He's compromised. But here's the big question. And this is the reason why there's such a defense by the Democrats of Joe Biden, because I don't think there's anything better the Democrats would like than to get rid of Joe Biden so they can get somebody else they think could be a better opponent for Donald Trump. Why are they not? Because of the way he would be gotten rid of. They're trying to find an artful way to get rid of him. That's why they're going after his son now that the plea deal has fallen on a gun charge, because a gun charge is something that he bears responsibility for alone. It won't drag in his father. If they start going after him on tax evasion charges, then they investigate where he got the money that he evaded the taxes on. Then they find out where that money went, and they find out that his father got some of it. And now the president is in the hopper. So they want to avoid all this. So how do we get rid of Joe Biden? And why are they reluctant? Well, it's all related to the Obamas. And so by tanking joe biden if you do it right you will take the bloom off the rose of michelle Mybelle obama and let me you explain joe biden we know that he was paid all this money his family was paid all this money for influence but despite the fact that the vice president is the number two man in the government second behind the president if the president falls ill or gets shot gets killed dies resigns quits he's it he or she is in charge of the country which is a frightening thought when you consider that Kamala Harris is the vice president right now and she's about as dumb as a stump and it looks like she's stoned half the time but absent that eventuality in the normal day-to-day operations of the government when you have a fully intact president the vice president does nothing makes no policy decision, has no influence. He's just another voice in a cabinet meeting. But he can't make policy. He can't do anything. Spends most of his time going to state funerals for foreign heads of state, going to NASA when we still had that going on, and a few other things here and there, but doesn't do anything. So all of this influence that Joe Biden was being paid for he wasn't in a position to make these things happen in exchange for the money that he received. But Barack Obama was. And I believe that a deep dive, deep drill down into Joe Biden's finances with these layers of LLCs, it's amazing how people that have no business, they have no businesses, and they have 20 LLCs. Why? All is a way of laundering money. A deep forensic drill down by a good forensic accountant team into these LLCs and these payments will reveal that Joe Biden got this money. It will also reveal that somehow, some way, money, a substantial amount of it, filtered back to the Obamas because they seem to be awfully well healed living in Martha's Vineyard, living a charmed life of people that never had a job. Really, they never had a job that could support the kind of lifestyle they had. Their multi-million dollar deals with Netflix. They're talking about the rising waters and climate change, that they spent $30 million on a mansion in Martha's Vineyard that's basically at sea level. Who's kidding who? Dig into Joe Biden's financial affairs, connected to the Obamas, as is inevitable, And Michelle Obama's fortunes will sink like a rock. I do not for one second consider Michelle Obama a formidable candidate. I consider her weak. I consider her a Marxist. I consider her emblematic of everything the movement that is the MAGA movement is against. And I think more and more people are becoming dissatisfied with this ultimate Leftward lurch that they're trying to imprint as the face of the Democratic Party. So that's why I wanted to come on the air today because I wanted to talk about this. I really don't think that Michelle Obama is as formidable as a threat as people make it out to be. And I still say that even if she's in the race and they can't get rid of her completely, there is a countervailing factor. There's another way of going about this. And I think this is the home run ticket. I've said it before. But for those of you who didn't listen to my show before I went on vacation in August, listen to me again. Robert Kennedy Jr., the Democrat, the only Democrat that I would consider voting for. A man who is an outsider now because he's outside his own party's ideology doesn't believe in all this masking and all this uh, panic over the COVID, all these restrictions, doesn't agree with what they're doing with Trump. He's an outdoorsman. He's a real man. He's got children. He's honest, speaks his mind, and his party hates him. They'll never give him the nomination, especially after his recent trip to the U.S.-Mexico border, where he said it took me three days just to get my head wrapped around it and comprehend what I was seeing. And then I realized it's a crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. We are taking people in faster than our social resources can take care of them. We have to stop it. I've now become a conservative on the border issue. All it's going to take is a phone call, a sincere phone call from Donald Trump to have a meeting with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I believe that enough common ground can be found between them. They don't have to agree on everything, but they can agree on on enough to do a lot of good for this country. And I can see Trump, the art of the deal, saying, look, Bobby, you're a good man. Your party hates you. They're never going to allow you to get the nomination. They're never going to let you back in the game. But I will, and I can. What do you say we put ourselves together? run as a team, and do what we can to right this ship and save this country. I think that team, the strength, the power of the the aura, of the Kennedy name, even 60 years since the assassination of JFK, I think that and Trump's immense appeal within the MAGA movement steamroll everyone. And also, for those of you who say they're going to try and steal the election again, the only way they can do that is by the manipulation or perversion of the 14th Amendment to try and keep Trump actually off the ballot. Because when you have to write somebody in, it becomes tedious and problematic. But I think that will be challenging the Supreme Court, and it will not be allowed to, to, to pass. They will have to put him on the ballot. So, assuming he's on the ballot in all 50 states in the District of Columbia, I think that the support for the Trump ticket, regardless of who he has, but especially if he has Bobby Kennedy, is going to be so great that they're not going to be able to fudge enough votes. Remember, all they did was fudge 30,000 votes. It was a total of 30,000 votes in these pivotal states, these swing states, that resulted in Joe Biden getting the election. And a piece of information over the holidays was brought to my attention that I did not know you don't, and I did not know it because the news media did not want you to know it. And they didn't want you to know it because it's very, very unsettling. So I'm going to share it with you now. In all 50 states, including the state of Delaware, in all, I'll repeat it, in all 50 states, Donald Trump won the in-person voting on election day. And those are the votes that are the most reliable in terms of their veracity and their legality. Conversely, Biden won the mail-in voting in almost every state. And that's the one that's most prone to corruption, falsification, and fabrication. But they were able to get away with it because of the margins, the numbers. This time around, I think it's going to be not just a landslide. I think it's going to be a tidal wave. They're not going to be able to hold it back. Everybody's starting to come to this realization. Four indictments haven't slowed this man down. It's only increased him to the speed of a juggernaut to the point where Tucker Carlson, some people saying ill-advised saying it, is now very, very worried about an assassination attempt on the former president and my sources tell me there are people in the Secret Service who are very concerned because they know how much leftist politicians in this country and in this government hate this man and they cannot find the kryptonite for him because all of these indictments have only caused his poll numbers to go up which is why Donna Brazil said come on he's indicted four times and his numbers are going up The man is the leader of a movement. He's not just a candidate. You can't stop him. And that's why I was compelled to do this show today. So if you really love America, you have to sit back. If you really want to have a country that your children can be raised in that was anything remotely resembling the country that we grew up in, you're going to have to take a stand. And you're going to have to realize, look, Trump may not be my favorite guy. He may not be the best guy in terms of the nicest guy, although I think he's a gentleman. I've met him. But he's a man for the times. As I've said many times in the past, this country has been saved multiple times throughout its history by imperfect people. Abraham Lincoln was a manic depressive. He saved the Union in the Civil War. This uh, S. Grant was a smoking, drinking man. He was the winningest general in the Union Army, defeated the Confederacy. Winston Churchill was a flawed man, but he led England and saved them against the Nazis. There are countless examples in history. So if you love your country, you've got to take action. You can't just sit on the sidelines. Because then when it's all over, you can't complain. And this is going to be our new exit line I'm going to remind you of this every day. It's one of the most prophetic lines I've ever heard. Charles M. Russell, Montana, 1926. Guard, protect, and cherish your land, for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.